The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. We're really, really excited. We have so much to talk about. It's going to be a long one. We, we, We're predicting now that, that already. Now that we sit in the same room for the podcast, what I've realized is <laughs> you and I end up talking for 45 minutes and we're like, wait, this is, a, this is the, why, why are we recording? Why, why, why don't we just we, do this? Exactly. Why don't we just go ahead and record? So finally, we are. Here we are recording with you. As I said, man, so much to talk about. We've got a couple of car debates for you to start out with. Alec, in now in San Diego, as a matter of fact, he is yep. the programs manager for the Tony Hawk Foundation. Yeah. Runs the Cars of Skateboarding channel. They have a skate podcast now. We'll get more into that. But I do want to touch on him. We've got uh, quite a debate from yeah, Alec. Yeah, a fun story there, too. We've also got Andrea in New England. She's writing to us because she has discovered her inner car enthusiast mm -hmm. and now admitting that. To the world, which we, is awesome. She has contracted the disease, and we've been part of the problem. So, uh, we're hey, we're glad, Andrea. Thanks for writing in. It was really cool. Look forward to talking about that. Well, before we get to these two debates here, we've got an interesting email from Dr. Matt, who wrote to us, as a matter of fact, today, Well, that you and I have been talking about yes, most should, of the day. Yes, we should clarify that today, the day we're recording is a Thursday. You'll, you'll hear this on Friday. And that today we dropped on YouTube a piece we called Therapy. That was the Lotus right. Elise driven on a great canyon road. It was a supercharged Elise. And it's kind of our new version. We've talked about this. It's kind of our car trailer, the new way to do sights and sounds. It's a very different piece in feel, but still doing the sights and sounds idea. Many of you have watched it and responded, thank you. And that piece has been a lot of places today. And it was just, it was fun to do. It was fun to drive. It was fun to cut. No, yeah, that was. is not my Lotus Elise, for those of you that have asked. <laughs> I, it, it, when I get the Elise, you'll know. If oh, I yes. get one, it, yes. it will be discussed. But that's not my car. So that piece dropped today. And to prove we read all our emails, then we got this email today. <laughs> All right, so I want to tee this up here. It's it's pretty interesting, and it's got Todd and I thinking for most of the day since yeah, came definitely, here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So Dr. Matt writes to us after seeing the therapy video, the Lotus Driving mm -hmm. Therapy, mm -hmm. and he says that he conducts daily therapy, and he's asking us to please stop calling this driving therapy because it's reinforcing a challenge that he faces with wealthy families. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Okay, so he's explaining this, that from a psychological perspective, that money and having money can reinforce some terrible behaviors, as he writes here, because it's incredibly intoxicating. Mm -hmm. So you, when you mix this in insecurity with money, you get this constant flow of exotic cars that he sees all day, every day. Now, not true for every person, but he's writing in and, and questioning our use of the words and use of driving mm -hmm. therapy, mm -hmm. which as now you, you're you intrigued, of course, now yeah. listening, now hearing yeah. this story, I have so many mixed thoughts and mixed reactions, but I know you do too, and I yeah. know you've got some comments. Yeah, I mean, here here's the thing. Uh, first off, thank you for writing in. Thank you for sharing your concern. Many of you have written in with all kinds of concerns. I mean, <laughs> the podcast... <laughs> This is this is a blessing and a curse discussion. The podcast <laughs> is big enough now that we get almost an email, a podcast of somebody is frustrated about something that we've done. It, it, <laughs> right, it just happens. Right. Okay, that's reality. And, and we aren't going to speak to all of them. And uh, we aren't going to please everybody all the time. We get all of that. So I'm not we're not trying to backtrack or, or be concerned about that. But I do want everyone to know as this proves, we read them all. Oh, yeah. And we, and we, yeah, yeah. And we sometimes we talk about them behind the scenes and just go, okay, should we do that differently? Because we want to have a family-friendly podcast. We don't want to be out in the weeds somewhere. Yep. So this is an interesting email. And I wanted to talk about it from two categories. 
First off, uh, Dr. Matt here is talking about the fact that he has families who they're having problems, but they will, instead of going to therapy, they'll, okay, our teenage son's struggling, but we'll buy him a car and he'll be better. Look, right, I, right. I, I love cars. I want people to love their car. I want you to have a lovely car. Your car does not fix your life. No. It, it, it can no. fix your love of driving. There, there, there. I, there's, there's my line in the sand. Your car <laughs> sure. can make you love driving sure. more. It's not going to make you healthy. Absolutely. So I want to be careful there. But the thing about driving therapy, I will – look, I, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not going to pretend to be. I will only speak from my personal experience. Everybody has their way of kind of stress dealing, self-medicating, whatever it is, however mm -hmm. you want to think about it. Oh, you yeah. know, And yeah. that can be legal or illegal or whatever your thing is. Look, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I'm not a drugs guy. It's never been my thing. I love to rock climb. That clears my head. I love to mountain bike. That clears my head. And I love to drive. Yeah, I can be stressful or angry and I can go for a drive. And the focus and adrenaline of that just cleanses me. Yeah. It is very it, genuinely therapeutic. So that's why I feel like driving therapy is valid. However, now I'm going to contradict myself. Well, I'm not contradicting myself, but talk about the other side. Right, right. Because I grew up in a family. I don't know if I even told you this, Paul. I grew up in a family where therapy was looked down on. There's, You've alluded to there's, this, but keep going. There's I'm kind of no reason why this. you should need to go to a counselor. There's no reason you should need a therapist outside of the family to talk you through it. This was the this impression the I was given hmm. growing up. Hmm. So then I get married, and I've been married a while. I've been I, at this point. I've been married a long time. I have a wonderful wife. We have a solid marriage. We've been married a long time. We had a few very, very rocky years. Like each one of us going, "Where's the door? And how do we stop this?" Wow. I mean, wow. awful, awful stuff. Yeah. yeah. And we got through it because we went to ther a therapist. Went to a couple of great marriage counselors, actually. So. Um, that really revolutionized my perspective on therapy. And look, when I get in a fight with my wife today, I get in a fight with my wife, mm -hmm. I'm angry, I'll go for a drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, look, that's not going to solve the fight with my wife. It's not going to solve it. But it can kind of cleanse me out of the problem so that I, I can then approach the discussion with her differently. Right. But at the time that right. we were really struggling, no amount of driving was going to fix our problems. So going to a therapist, which the, the really good ones are, are so helpful, so counter to what I was led to believe growing up, because they're not only wanting to help you, but they're also, they have no skin in the game. Right. They'll listen right. to both sides of a discussion and be like, here's a completely non-biased perspective of where you guys are. And that can be for an individual or a couple or whatever. So this is a weird, weird conversation, because while I know driving is therapeutic for me and can be for others cars and driving do not make you healthy psychologically and they aren't going to fix your problems and there are things that could be you know your teenager struggling you're struggling your marriage is struggling you may need a counselor and i recommend a counselor when those happens i live in both sides of this debate i feel like sure which are both are valid and i'm glad you bring these up because i mean i I think about my own car ownership, and I'm amazed and thankful that I have this Porsche Cayman. But in no sense do I want to go out and cruise with it just to get looks. And I have mm, to keep mm. the attitude of, you know what? Everything is for sale. It's it's mm, That's interesting. It's all for that. sale. Because 
this is not me. This is not who I am. It's mm, a part of my life, and it's certainly a, a you know the hole down which I pour money and uh, you know <laughs> it gives me great that, yeah. pleasure. But no, this this does yeah. not define me by well, any means. It's just a car. Yeah, it could go at any moment, and it's out of my life. Mm, and mm. then, who am I? And what do I have? What am I left? That's with? a good question. That's a good question. I, I don't care what it says on the badge you know on the hood or the key fob sure, or sure whatever that is you know well you mentioned that about the key fob this relates to what we're talking about yeah this past week on instagram i actually took a, a screenshot of it on instagram i'm just scrolling you know of course instagram has ads and then there's people that are, looks sure. like an ad but sure. it's not an ad and here was a porsche key just a key just the from fob, a porsche dealer right. and the tagline was this is the key to happiness and i i just i stopped on the ad because I was so shocked that I went, look, the unspoken word here is if you don't have a Porsche, you can't be happy. Very wrong. Look, and Absolutely. we like and we like Porsche. Yeah. This is a surprisingly deep conversation for our podcast, by the way, but it does relate <laughs> and to cars. We're starting off with it. Yeah, exactly. Welcome. We're going to hit you with Good this. evening. <laughs> yes. Welcome to your morning commute. <laughs> look at the person next to you and just smile randomly. They'll think you're crazy. It'll be fun. Right. Uh, so anyway, but but yeah, that's the thing is that here we are living in Park City, and in the Park City area, there are plenty of people with a, a lot. Oh, I, my gosh. I can't overstate this. A lot of money. And there's divorces and unhappiness and broken families, and it's tragic, and money doesn't fix it. Oh, no. And you no. have to get outside of yourself and dig into the problems, and sometimes that takes a therapist. And so, uh, Dr. Matt, we appreciate you writing in. We, we very much value what you do, and it's weird to be on both sides of this issue in my own head. It's very interesting. Yeah, Dr. Matt, I'm curious as to know, you know, to hear what you think of this, you know, hearing both sides, because I know you do hear a particular side. But I think that the the money buys happiness or my kid needs a car and everything will be right. I think that's a lot more universal than we give it credit. As much as I love cars, your identity wrapped up in your car can be problematic. Absolutely. As is can any object, any Oh, thing. absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah. yeah, you know, keeping it at cars. So I... Yeah, and you're Can, right. Park City has, you know, houses that look like hotels. Uh -huh, the billionaires uh -huh. are pushing out the millionaires is the joke in Park City. And Todd and I are looking at each other like... And we're neither going, uh, uh, can I take out your trash? <laughs> sure. Hey, yeah, yeah, seriously. Can I polish your car collection for you? He, but he, happy to. Here's a genuine problem. Can we move from something of this topic to helping somebody buy a car? Can, can we do that? <laughs> are we that, that, that light I, on I'm our feet? try to tie this in. There's actually some Facebook questions that we'll get to later, and it has to do with that sort of consumerism culture tied into speculative car buying, i.e. Porsches, yeah, 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 yeah. since uh -huh. we're talking about I saw Porsches. That there. Yeah. So we'll talk about that a little later, but then we want you to get into something that you can afford despite my proclivities for pushing yes. on your budget. Yes. But we're going to do that, so we will transition now over to our first car debate. Before we go on, I want to talk about Auto Tempest. They're our new sponsor on the show yeah. because they provide that service you and I do. We're right. always looking up cars online. You can go to autotempest.com, and you can type in your search term once, and it searches all the big names and some of the little ones. So you go there, Auto Tempest, that is T-E-M-P-E-S-T, -E -E like a storm, autotempest.com. And if you aren't looking for a car right now, you can do it for fun, or you can do it and then give them feedback on how the website works. They want that as well, which is really cool. Well, we've got Alec here. He is in San Diego. I thought you were in, Al in L.A., Alec, but, uh, yeah, I reread your email. You're down in San Diego now. And I had the pleasure of meeting Alec at the Long Beach Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. we, we met there. Alec was shopping for Hot Wheels to expand his collection there, which was awesome. <laughs> and we just got some time to hang out. And as I yeah. mentioned before, he is the program's manager 
for the Tony Hawk Foundation hosts the skateboarding cars uh, of skateboarding, cars of skateboarding yeah. channel. So check that out. It's it's a video channel on the Tony Hawk uh, Ride channel on YouTube, and it's it's like the sub sub brand they're doing there. And Alec and I have been talking for a while as he kind of launched into that, talking about kind of how we shoot and how we approach things. So he's been a fan of the show for a while. Thank you, Alec. So we've had some genuine conversations about all the behind the scenes stuff, the cameras and the production and Just the cool. editing and all that kind of thing. So it's cool to see Alec do these really cool cars of skateboarding. Imagine it. This is this is not the best example ever, but. Um, you remember on MTV, they had uh, MTV Cribs? Oh, yes. Okay, so it's like music stars show you their house. Right. This right, is right. that idea, but it's skateboarders show you their cars. And it's very cool. That's a great it's, idea. It's well shot, and Alec does a great job, so hats off to you. But he's writing in because he has kind of a unicorn car, and he remains in love with it, but he has the disease. Mm-hmm. He does. So Alec also does the Skate Park, pod- skate park Podcast, and I do want to call him out here. He just got engaged mm. to Amelia. Hi, Amelia. I, he even sent photos of the Kia Soul that is hers. Of course you it's had to bring that up. It's in the photos here. <laughs> yeah. She owns a Kia Soul, everyone. And if you want to find out his extremely creative marriage proposal, just Google skater proposes to girlfriend. And you will discover loads of actual video of yeah, him yeah. he drops into the pool it was at a van's pool party and he drops into the pool launches off his skateboard slides on his knee pads over to right in front of amelia and that's the so crowd awesome. absolutely goes nuts they instantly know what's going on that's and the so crowd awesome. goes wild and it was fully set up alec this was so fun to watch oh man all right so let's get to his debate here he is uh is writing in here because he's got an 06 dodge magnum it's the wagon here He's been looking around, as we all do. We shop, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he's thinking about, should I keep it? Should I sell it? He's had a lot of car experience. He's even sent photos here of the Magnum packed full of stuff. Yeah, And, yeah. you know, that's that's a he big issue it. here. Yeah. If, if you go to something smaller, more yeah. fun, you know, that's that could be a problem. Well, cars he's owned so far include an Expedition, a Pontiac Trans Am that he had in high school. It was the Bandit clone. He's had a GMC shorty van. He had a 500 horsepower, over 500 horsepower Pontiac GTO. Mm-hmm. The another early 2000s Firebird, one, yeah. Another 69 Firebird Trans Am clone, mm-hmm. Toyota 4Runner, and this current 06 Dodge Magnum that he really loves. Okay, so he's Big also, cars, big power is the history here oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so he's also got a family gift. Well, a family car, as a matter of fact. It's a 1986 Jaguar XJ6 Van Plus that was a gift from his dad to his mom the day his older brother was born. His mom gave it back to his dad. Now his dad's restoring it. Mm-hmm. He wants to eventually get it fully perfect and running, get all the work done, and give it back to his mom as a gift, which is cool. So he's got, so far, if you're keeping track, mm-hmm. the Soul, Amelia's yeah. Soul, the the 86 Jag, yeah. and the Dodge Magnum. Mm-hmm. So he's riding and the, to and, ask. And the Jag is very much the car that just stays. There's so much history. Oh, yes, it's kind yes, of yes. off the table of discussion. But he's just bringing it up and going, by the way, this exists as well. Exactly. All right. So he's writing to ask, you know, should I? Should I take the leap? Because mm-hmm, it sounds like, mm-hmm. Alec, you're willing to stay with the Magnum. If that's kind yeah. of, you know, where things are at budget-wise, completely understand. Well, he talks about how he keeps – this is a car he can still walk away from and look back and be like, that's my car. Which yeah. is what we're all going for. And I he still feels cars. That. I do as well. I do as well. That FRS <laughs> – you know, random side note. We just finished shooting the new 86. 
Yes, right. And right. Uh, and and we have a piece coming out with the new eighty six versus the 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 early gen. But we actually have a stock. We use Chance's stock BRZ versus right. the new eighty six, so we can right. compare them stock to stock. So my car's not in that piece. That'll be a really cool piece for YouTube. It's not a TV piece. It's YouTube directly. That's coming soon. It's very cool. I'm not going to st- uh, steal anything from that. However, I am going to say it made me appreciate my FRS's current setup even more. Just so cool. I mean, I like it, the car already. I've talked about that. But it, we have so addressed the torque dip, and it was interesting to be back in stock cars and go. And go hey, there it is. There it is again. And, yeah, and, and to yeah. be struck by it because now be back in my car and realize it's not there. Right. And, and so, yeah. My, and by the way, even though I love my car, it is still for sale. Good. Nice and, plug. And, but well I will done. also say that, you know, all of you talking about what am I getting next, I am having – I'm trying so hard. It's so difficult to stay in the headspace of my car is the FRS. I'm not getting ahead of myself <laughs> right. because the FRS has to be sold before I can get the new thing. Right. So there's no right. point in being there already, and that is so difficult because I'm already looking. When I'm not looking, I'm looking. <laughs> of course. So it's of just – but yeah, okay. So here we are. Back to Alec. All right, so his budget is about thirteen to fifteen thousand, starting at ten. <laughs> Alec says, "I wouldn't want to disappoint Paul." Alec, you are not disappointing me. I'm really eager to find you something here. So the highest he can go is seventeen, but you know what? I'm not sure you're going to have to go that high, mm, good. which is cool. Good. Okay, so also key components before we start shopping here: reliable, fun. It's got to sound good. Good dynamics gearbox feel which means manual yep yep space because he's got the wagon now and power he's had a whole range of different power from well over 500 to and things that have addressed everything on this list or not addressed everything on this list like for example right now he likes driving his dodge magnum but it reaches a corner and he slides out of the seat and it's an automatic. Okay, I can so these just are two imagine problems. That happening. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Alex's not a big guy. I mean, there's probably a lot of sliding going on. So I mean, <laughs> it's not like the the Magnum addresses all of these. He's just listing sure. his list of these are the things that are important. And I've I've got a couple, and I'm very curious what you've listed. He did mention in here that that Pontiac GTO he had, that's kind of the lost car. He had it. He loved right, it. He right. wrecked it. He actually got hit. And it, and it got the car totaled. So he kind of lost that car before its time. Still thinks back fondly on that car. And uh, he's listed some things that he's curious about. I've thought of a couple. This is interesting. Alec, it seems like you like the GTI, but you don't like how it looks. So I thought, okay. And now that you work about three miles from your house and you're thinking about learning to drift, hmm. this is going to maybe play into the, yeah. into the choices here. First of all, I think if only the Scirocco were sold in the U.S. If only. Mm, interesting. Because interesting. Yeah. we generally don't get the two-door hatchbacks anymore. True, true. We yeah. don't. They're yeah. all four doors. Yeah. And, you know, apparently that market has been identified that we wouldn't buy those cars apparently yeah. in the U.S., but I disagree. Yeah, it, isn't the, the GTI, the Golf R, the only one you can spec that way is two-door? I think it's the only one you can actually spec two-door. Everybody I else think, is only the fours. I think so. I mean, yeah. think of the Focuses yeah, yeah. and the Fiesta mm-hmm. STs. And yeah, the, two-door overseas, but not on here. On and on and on. You're right. You're right. So I think, all right, well, the Scirocco's not, and I get it. So that leads me to, first of all, two front-wheel drive cars. Mm, okay. We haven't talked about the Mazda 3 for a long, long time. I am jaw dropped because it's on my short list too is it really i am shocked that we both went there <laughs> but but for the budget that's funny because the other thing it's in here that we haven't really talked about there is a dog in the equation and there are yes. skateboards and surfboards now he's willing to get a roof rack 
but skateboards and surfboards have to be accommodated in his world. I mean, look at who he is and the skating that he does. I mean, it's kind oh, of yeah. obvious. Yeah, yeah. So those have got to be accommodated, which obviously works in the Magnum. So, um, sure. And, you know, the dog thing and all that. These are all factors. They're not deciding factors, but they're factors. I thought of the Mazda Speed 3 as well. Did you really? It's it's so many things. It's good gearbox. It's fun. It it's hatchback. It it's That, that is going to be a wildly fun car on a back road. I, I love that we both thought of it. See, the thing that you listening, I don't, I'm not sure if you realize, but we don't share our choices no, not and at our all. shopping before we jump not into the all. podcast. Because like we're doing, we might surprise each other and we want to just make sure we're doing our own independent research here. So I found you a 2013 Mazda Speed 3 Sport in black, 47,000 miles, 14.9. Ooh, you fun. I bet you that would go for 14.500. Fun. And that is that is pretty rocket ship. barely used. That's I feel really like. cool. I yeah. really like that a lot. That's great. I was also thinking about the Fiesta ST. You know, I mentioned that before as part of the four-door hot hatches that we have true, here. True, true, yeah. They're inexpensive. I mean, if you wanted to spend less than that and still have, I, I won't say decent space, but, you know, you fold those two receipts down, it's got something, <laughs> some space. Except if A dog you, and a skateboard. It, or a, yeah, a dog and a skateboard. Dog if, and What I'm else. praying right now, Alec, <laughs> I didn't think of this till this minute, but I am praying you are not a guy that rides longboards. Surfboards, oh, longboard yeah. surfboards, where they're 10, 12 <laughs> feet long, because that may be longer than a Fiesta ST, exactly. which I have to say, now I almost want you to get a Fiesta ST more and put a roof rack on it, just so you can send us the photo of the surfboard that is longer than the just car that's supporting overlapping it. Overlapping yes. the, the front and the rear of the car. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm thinking Fiesta ST. I think you'd like that. But the drifting part of your email here, that came into the equation, because theoretically, could you drift those cars? Yes. Is it going to be less fun than a rear-wheel drive car? Yes, it is. Well, and it's totally different. It's, it's kind of cheat drifting, too. It's like yeah. I got the car sideways, but I can't hold it there. I, mean, I, I can make it. I can make the back come around in a weird... lunch trays. And... <laughs> exactly. It's totally random. Yeah. YouTube gold. So I came back to Todd's car for the okay. drift car. Yeah, I see that. But it's really small. I'm just not sure if it'll work for your needs. I'm going to argue that. Because it's on my list, too. You think in trailer? Pull it's on my trailer list, too. No, 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 no. Here, here's the thing, Alec. Back to do you ride longboards or not? Because <laughs> here's the thing. Many times, including this past winter, I took my FRS skiing. Now, I am yeah. not a small guy, yeah. and, I, and I ride almost 190 skis. So if you know skis, those are long skis. I've got, yeah. I've got 188s. I can drop the back seat and go straight line with my skis, which are every bit of six feet plus long. Straight line with my skis. Yeah. Lay them in there, and they don't even come past the backs of the front seats, the tips. That's straight line. Now, if I go at an angle, I can get even more out of it. So how long a board are you riding? Because you talk about how your, your board and your Magnum sometimes is a problem. So it makes me wonder how – because the Magnum, it's, it's, a, it's a wagon, but it's a short wagon. It's not very yeah. tall. So yeah. it's long but not tall. I'm just curious how long your surfboard is. What I would say to you, because I saw this in L.A. all the time, you do the thing where you shove the surfboard in straight, laying on a towel with, with the very back foot and the fins are sticking out of the trunk, and then you strap the trunk down. You could do that all day could. long in an FRS. Could. Now, your dog's not in there with you. Well, actually, the dog could sit in the front seat. Or not with my dog. My dog's a <laughs> But a Amelia mix. couldn't. True. She couldn't be in But there. she's going to drive her cool Kia Soul anyway. Let's be anyway. honest. So, That's you know, true. she's going to go to the skate park in her, in her Soul, and Alec and the dog are going to go surfing. <laughs> I, I've got the whole day planned. I, I've planned the, your whole day. But, but no, I think you could take the surfboard in straight line yeah. with the fins sticking out the back 
and the trunk closed down on some towels, and I think you, I think you could make that work. I really genuinely do. And I saw so many people doing weird surfboard combinations without roof racks in L.A. that I'm certain that there's no reason this can't work. I mean, my initial thought, Alec, started with shooting brakes. That's where my brain started. And then I realized, okay, no more shooting brakes. Yeah, the greatest car nobody makes. Coops, yeah. you know, the two-door hatches. I mean, I went so far as to think of the 98 BMW Z3 shoe. <laughs> Which is shorter than all surfboards. Yeah. <laughs> but it still had the shooting brake-ish, you know, yeah. some hey, kind cool of in that cargo. Regard. Yeah, I get that. And I thought, all right, well, no, you wouldn't want to drift that thing. And yeah, they're inexpensive. You can find them, but they're weird, rare car. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I had one other one that I want to okay. come back to here. Okay. All right. And that is, you know, we talk about get having cars out of your life before you're ready. I, I do think you should look at the GTO again, Alec. I really do. Because you Just liked because it. Just because of the accident you're well, talking? Because he liked it, and the car was kind of gone too quick. And yeah. so much of his history. Look, I, I do think you genuinely need to drive the other two we've mentioned. Drive the Mazda Speed 3. Drive the 86. The 86 is not going to feel powerful compared to some of the stuff you drive. It just isn't. Oh, no. No, no. But dynamically, it's fantastic. And I think it has more space than you realize. So at least give, do us a favor and test drive both those cars. But I want to come back around to the GTO because you can get them cheap. Sure. It has sure. all this kind of big V8 traditional rear-wheel drive power you've had in your car history. And watch... If you can find it, watch the original, I think it was Richard Hammond, Top Gear episode of the uh, the Monaro. Oh, Box the whole Monaro. Monaro. Exactly. Which which over there was our, it's our GTO. It's just what it sure, was. It was sure. Monaro over there. They spend almost the entire review talking about how well-balanced the chassis is and how great it is for drifting. It is a higher power, good balance variation on the 86 idea. It's a larger car across the board. It's a car you already like. Six-speed, big V8. I think you should really take a serious look at that again. Please drive these others for comparison and contrast. But I think if you wound up back in a GTO for your money, I think that may be the sweet spot, and it's a car you miss from it being gone in your life. I I think there could be something there. And, you know, the Magnum doesn't have to leave. He's still kind of noodling this. You know, should it leave? True, but I think... I, I, but just by virtue of you writing in... I think I, it's time, that Alec. Idea. I think it's time. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Alex, so much for writing in. We're, we're really thrilled that you did. And check out his stuff on, uh, on his channel, The Cars of Skateboarding, as well. And, uh, yeah, the Skate Park podcast, too. So, Alec, thanks again. Before we move on to the next car debate, I wanted to talk about our sponsor, Amsoil. You know, we're kind of DIY guys. We highly recommend you do good oil changes with the right oil. That's what Amsoil is great for. Right, right. So they have all kinds of oil for whatever your car is. Even Porsche oil, they have that as well. Amsoil does 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss and wear than the industry standard test, which is pretty cool. Amsoil.com slash driver is the place to go. It's a landing page. You can look up your car, support the show, support them. All right, so we're moving on. To Andrea in New England, mm-hmm. she has realized, <laughs> she is, uh, she says, I have had a total awakening and realized for the first time that I am a car enthusiast. I listen to car <laughs> news in the car, in the shower, just relaxing at home. I truly enjoy learning about cars and pondering the beauty of these machines. She is obsessed. We are so glad. We are so <laughs> glad to have you with us. I think it's fantastic. Fantastic. All right. So she's looking. And her budget, start out with the, the budget, 33000 new or used, okay? Well, she says under, but it's me. 
and I might not stick to that. <laughs> wow, I'm so surprised right now. <laughs> yeah. She has no trade-in, but she will have a good down payment. And being in New England, she prefers all-wheel drive, but it's not essential because you and I will talk about winter tires mm -hmm, all day mm -hmm. long. Yeah, definitely. She wants something with pep and something with kick, nice leather interior, some technology, a moonroof, and reliability as well. Yeah. And yeah. her reliability statement is colored by virtue of her dad's 5 Series that really helped this awakening happen. Mm -hmm. She says, very transformative. But she just doesn't have the aptitude or patience to deal with potential costly repairs. She's concerned about the cars that won't run, but they're thoroughbreds when they do. I mean, her, her car history is a RAV4, a Toyota Yaris, and a Nissan Sentra, okay? Mm -hmm. So we're looking for fun now. We're looking for driver's yeah. Yeah. cars now, okay? Because those, let's be honest, are not. so. But And the 5 Series has been somewhat revelatory in this whole discussion, and that actually colored a little bit of some of the stuff I looked into. Okay. But uh, I'm very curious about this. She also mentioned, I have to read this term because I, I'll be honest, Andrea, I may steal it. You've driven your mom's Lexus LS, and you described the experience as like being in a beautiful coffin. Oh, my gosh. And I, I my mother-in-law has owned a long list of Lexus. <laughs> what Lexus, are you saying? And I just, I just, uh, oh, my gosh. That's a fantastic description of many, many of the Lexus driving experiences. I do have to say that their GS with the F-Sport Pack is better than you think. And the IS350 with the F-Sport Pack is also better than you think. But I do like the Lexus LS is like being in a beautiful coffin. That, <laughs> that is almost a shirt, Andrea. Well done. <laughs> All right, so what else? She has checked out the ES Lexus and the Mercedes C-Class, mm -hmm. and completely different, now for something completely different, she's looked at the Dodge Charger and loves how big it is. Loves everything about that attitude. The interior, yep. all the stuff. She's also thought about the Cadillac ATS, but she's only 40, and 40 is the new 30, and she's not that old. <laughs> and Cadillac that's is not, what in I her area, myself. is not people that, uh, <laughs> that are her age, so that's the concern. And that's, that, and that's Cadillac's problem. It is still, weird to me. It still. is it is weird to me that that is Cadillac's perception, and yet their cars are tuned the exact opposite for that market segment. Especially the ATS-V and the, yes. the CTS-V, the, all well, the V-series cars. But I even think if you take it, if you take that dynamic ride control out of anything but comfort, the traditional Cadillac yeah. buyer is going to complain about where did my nice ride go. Right. Whereas you and right. I can't get out of comfort mode fast enough, and all we do is cackle throwing a Cadillac <laughs> down a back road because the chassis tuning is so great. This exactly. is this is the Cadillac problem in one story. <laughs> all right, Andrea, I have two two choices, and I'm going to riff on your Lexus idea here. But I am all about the IS350. I am. I actually found you one in Nashville, Tennessee. Awesome. 2015 IS350 F-Sport. Excellent. And that's because it's got that adaptive variable suspension mm -hmm. that we love that transforms the car. Because you did mention here, all right, ride quality, you know, the roads aren't the greatest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit concerned. You can get the 350 with all-wheel drive, but the F-Sport, not so much. Okay, so... I'm going with winter tires, F-Sport, that suspension, and it was $35,000. That's why I had to push on it. Okay. But come okay. on. They that's take a, 34 that's a, that's a cool car. It's a cool car. It was actually red, as a matter of fact. Excellent. Excellent. Even more of a... I'm leaving all the Yari and the Yar. I like Yari, by the way. That's good. It goes <laughs> with, right with the pre the past. Mm -hmm. I've got a red hot Lexus. It, you would be... Everybody is just going to wonder what the transformation is all about. I like it. You'll, you'll keep talking about it. My second choice here is a 2016 Volkswagen Golf R 
Good. 17,000 miles, Good. fully loaded for 34,500. Ooh, that is a find. I like that. I like that That's a lot. That's practically brand new, and mm-hmm. I did make sure that was an automatic, so it's got that really nice dual clutch in it. The DSG, sure. I'm just, I'm kind of all about that for hmm. you. Yeah. And uh, this one was all black, black on black, so that okay. could be pretty cool, too. That's very cool. I like both of those. I have I have three. Um, I, have, I have one... I'll, in fact, I'll start with the one that to me feels almost like a wild card. But the things that really influence me here, Andrea, are you're worried about the quality of the roads. You want a nice enough interior that you've got, uh, you know, moonroof, sunroof thing. Yeah, those those yeah. both influence me. Sure. And um, and that five series that's really kind of haunted you as a car <laughs> that's really influenced you. So my wild card first Haunting, off is... coffins. Yeah. What's going on yeah, here? This should be the Halloween podcast. <laughs> but but I, I'm going to say, here's my wild card first off. Go drive the Mercedes GLA. Oh. Because okay. it's got that... It's Look, this is a slightly slightly raised hatch. It's really not an SUV. Uh, oh, and by the way, you know, right. while I'm here, this Saturday, tomorrow, from when you're hearing this podcast, is one of two brand new world premiere episodes on our season one on Velocity. So Saturday morning, the day after this podcast comes out, that morning we have GLA versus Macan discussed alongside Paul's Jeep Grand Cherokee. It's a brand new episode. It was actually shot while we had the Gears and Gasoline guys here shooting the, their uh, piece on us. It's yeah. a very cool yeah. episode. It was shot a few months ago. We're incredibly excited about it. World premiere happening the day after this podcast drops. If you have Velocity, we'd love for you to see it. It's brand new stuff. That will eventually be on YouTube, but you Velocity subscribers, guess what? Here it comes. So there's that. That what's made me think about the GLA. Hmm. You're not going to get into the AMG uh, 45 version for your money, but no, those are still 45. Go see used. Looking around used, go see what's the biggest one you can get performance-wise for your budget and drive it because it has kind of the it has better dynamics than you think. That's the thing about that car. Hmm. Much better dynamics than you think, but it's kind of hatch shape, and it has a slightly raised ride height, so those bad roads aren't going to be as much of a concern. And you're into the German nice things that you liked about the 5 Series, and it's new enough that it's not going to be having Hmm. reliability problems yet, I suspect. Hmm. Doesn't mean it will, but I'm just you're, you're early on in that car's life. So that's my wild card. It's a GLA. Two others, thinking about needs to be robust, and the things that you've liked. That was on the list here, too. You know... Go drive yourself a either brand new Subaru WRX loaded out, okay, or a last gen the hatch version STI. Ooh, you could run that down any road in any weather, and it's just going to take it. And while they aren't the prettiest mm. interiors ever, you put the GLA next to the Subarus, the GLA just looks like a luxurious, awesome interior. It is. It is. The the STIs and the WRX look a little bit more kind of utilitarian in their interior, but there's a lot of tech in there. You'd be surprised the amount of tech that are packed into those cars, especially the new WRX. And so I would look at those. We're talking, you can do, uh, now, STI, of course, you'll have to be six-speed. WRX, you have options. So I don't know if you want to do automatic or, or manual, but sure, WRX will give you options. Yeah, yeah. But 33,000 gets you a lot of brand-new WRX. And Very that will be a genuinely fun car to drive, and yet it won't be precious. You can bang around that car anywhere, any weather. You're fine, and it will be fun, and it'll have all the tech and stuff you've ever wanted. So look at those. Want to go more hardcore, the Hatch STI from the last generation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the 5 Series size. Kind of bigger, you're yeah, saying. The 5 Series size that intrigues, Andrea. 
and the personality of the Dodge Charger, I have to say it. You probably see it coming. Chevy SS. <laughs> Find a used Chevy SS. Yeah. It's the yeah. it's closer to the personality of the Dodge Charger. It's roughly the size of that 5 Series. It has dynamics to beat them both. And it's okay. going to be reliable. It's a, it's just, it's Chevy Legos under the hood. So uh, Chevy SS, take a serious look. I know it, it's not, it doesn't have the fun attitude of the Charger as far as the design is concerned, but it's, it's kind of a halfway point between the kind of more staid five series and the more crazy Charger, but yet it's, it's an LS under there and the mm. dynamics are better. Uh, Chevy SS, I, I'm telling you, look at a used one. I think it's a real candidate here, Andrea, and we love that you have the disease and we can help you. <laughs> yes. Welcome. A quick pause to talk about one of our sponsors, Covercraft. If you have a car, you need to know about these guys. They produce car covers, seat covers, dash covers, sunscreens. These are fantastic for keeping your interior cool, keeping the sun out of your interior. You've made me a believer. It really is. And floor mats. They even have canine covers. They've got accessories even for power sports. A lot of stuff. Go to Covercraft.com and use the code DEBATE for free shipping in the U.S. We've got tons of audience questions here that I'm going to jump right in with a Facebook question from Caleb N., who asks us, what's the best kind of car to introduce to someone who's on the verge of becoming a car enthusiast? Mm. Well, for Andrea, as you just heard, it was her dad's BMW 5 Series. Sure. And alternatively, how do you push a friend over the edge to becoming an enthusiast? So it's a two-part kind of question here. And Caleb, I would say... I everybody's proclivity is different. Everybody loves different kinds of cars. Nicely done. It's hard to actually recommend a particular car that's going to push somebody over. Somebody might not like Porsches. Inexplicable, I know. <laughs> somebody might not like BMWs. Somebody might not like Paul's, Mercedes. Paul's brain now hurts that those people exist. But yes. brain's melting. So what I'm going to do is tie something both Todd and I love, and that is films and movies about cars. Hmm. I have three to suggest. This is an odd twist on this. Keep going. Keep because going. I, I couldn't come up with a particular car because I can't say, you know what? A Miata's going to do it every time. That'll turn you into a car enthusiast. No. You know what? Volvo. Have you checked out the new jet? No. I, I don't know. Mm, interesting. Okay. All right. So first of all, I'm going to say the Lamar movies. Truth in 24, parts one and two. Interesting. Okay. You've got to have your friend watch this. The second movie is Senna, mm. the greatest racing driver who ever lived. And that doc is awesome. Hands down, the Michael Jordan of driving, even if you're not into cars at all, you will appreciate many aspects about this film. And it is a superb documentary. It's superb. And finally, it's Winning, The Racing Life of Paul Newman hmm, okay. by Adam Carolla. Sure, sure, yeah. Good one. Phenomenal movie Very because your mind will shift when you learn that Paul wanted to be known as a racing driver who, by the way, dabbled with acting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, That was his decision late in life, for sure. I will also suggest some particular car shows wherever you're located next to you. Definitely visit some car shows, but put on your list Goodwood Festival of Speed, Pebble Beach out in California, mm, and some mm. car auctions. Dana Meekum has something for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. Something will come across the auction block that piques your friend interest, and then you can say, you know what? That's the car that got you as a car enthusiast. Interesting. New or old. This is a, this is a different approach than I was expecting. I like it because I have, I have other thoughts, but that's actually really cool. 
That's that's where I'm at. You, you're. I know this sounds weird. It's almost you've gone the more cerebral approach of let's kind of let's kind of tug at the heartstrings without actually putting you behind the wheel, which is an intriguing approach. I actually do like that a lot okay. because that's some really that's really good influential thinking, exactly. stuff. I like that. I would say autocross. Ah. And I would say autocross. I, I honestly don't care the car. It it acts. But here's the here's the thing. I will say it needs to be something that's not overly powerful because what needs to happen in that autocross is you need to get your friend. They have to drive. You can't drive them. They have to drive, and you need to get them in an autocross situation where they have their foot to the floor multiple times mm-hmm. and they are cranking the wheel as hard as they can multiple times because okay driving okay. in normal life doesn't create these opportunities. It just doesn't. Okay, you and I seek them out, no. and we find roads <laughs> I mean, for, for them. our normal lives. No, no, no. Thinking, but but that, but that's but the thing. Right. You and Foot I seek the floor, them out. No. The, the typical person, the typical person on a back road on one of our shoots is terrified. Okay, yeah, because you and I yeah. have built up a tolerance for it, and we have track experience, and we approach it differently than most people. Our, sure. our tolerance level is just higher. Sure. But we're talking about introduction stuff, and I I fully believe that what starts to intrigue people about driving hard is seeing just how capable random cars can be. Mm-hmm. Find a friend with fun, find a actually. friend with a an S an S2000 or a Fiesta ST or a Miata or any of the an FRS BRZ any of these cars that are known for good dynamics yeah. and yeah. aren't so powerful don't put your friend in a Hellcat. It just don't, okay? Because <laughs> you it needs to be a car that you can actually try to ring out. It's a t-shirt by the way. Don't put your friend in a Hellcat. Yeah, yeah. Um, at least not to start off. Wait on the Hellcat. It's like tenth on the list. Anyway, you get there. It's fun, but um, but honestly, autocross situations because it will allow them to really push a car in a way they've never had before. And I guarantee you, they'll get out and just be like, "I didn't know cars could do that." Yeah. yeah, and that experience starts to open somebody's eyes to I like these dynamics. We talked about it before. It's like that roller coaster introduction thing. You want to ride the scariest roller coaster in town. You can't get your your son or daughter on it right away. You got to build up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think yeah. that experience with them behind the wheel will be educational uh, to what a car can do. And and honestly, it might turn them the other way. They might go, you know what? I don't like those sensations. But how often do we get to go foot to the floor and saw on the wheel? Not often. Not often. And that's no. pretty cool. No, you're you're just yeah stuck in traffic a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Did you see uh, Marcus Vanderberg? He does the Roads Untraveled YouTube channel and podcast. He's a long time listener and follower. Hey, Marcus, good to hear from you, man. He's writing to us from from Canada, and he's asking an interesting question about the car flipping thing. Yeah, the nine eleven R situation. So, if you haven't caught up, here's what's going on: the nine eleven R comes out as the almost GT three, but it's the almost GT three with a manual. It's like the be- it's like the greatest hits album for the current nine eleven. <laughs> and they all get snatched up, and a lot of the people that got them were people that had seven, uh, what was it, the nine eighteen on order, and so they got the R as the holder. It's yeah. ridiculous stuff. The, the holdover car, and it's Ugh. one of those cars that the minute they sold out, they were worth twice or three or four times what they what they were uh, originally sold for. And along comes Porsche <laughs> with the new GT three, and goes, "Just kidding, we're going to give it a manual." And all these guys with nine eleven Rs that bought them or hung on to them speculatively waiting for them to go through the roof, are now angry. And Marcus is going, where are we on this? Which is ridiculous, because from the get-go, Porsche as a brand was designed for their cars to be driven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything about it. I mean, they've been rallied, they've been, mm-hmm. you name it. Absolutely. Not many car manufacturers can say this. I mean, there's a lot out there, true, but true, yeah. rally history with the 959 in the, in the desert, and Le Mans victories, and... 
all kinds of stuff. I mean, they even entered Formula One in the 80s. They supplied engines along with Tog Heuer. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotten hyper-ridiculous. And I wonder if this new GT3 has a manual for two reasons. Partly it's to satisfy all the screaming that, you know what, your car yeah. should have manuals. Yeah. Okay, customers want our manuals and they will buy them. Okay, so that's a business case. But then as you're saying, mm -hmm. you know what, mm -hmm. for all those speculators... We're just putting another manual in it to take to degrade the value and what you think it's worth. Yeah, there's a yeah. Florida dealer selling a 911R for for over six hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I love Porsches. I aspire to a 911R, maybe, yeah. but they're not worth six hundred thousand. No, no, their retail was one hundred eighty five, and that's way up there. That's that's already like ouch. But used big, cars big ouch. shouldn't they come down yeah. more miles? Yeah. I hear well, but see, that's the thing. I mean, I two things that relate to this. One, I was recently uh, reading about the a, a big retrospective on the McLaren F1. Okay. And they're talking okay. about the fact that in the last 10 years, McLaren is seeing more of those in for service because they're being driven more because they are so unique and so moment in time that their value just keeps going up. So if you put Despite miles on it, you put miles on it. Who cares? Yeah. There's so few. They're so unbelievable that you put a thousand miles in that car, two thousand miles on that car that year. This year, who cares? The value still went up again. Yeah, because that's a moment in time. Now, I, compare and contrast Ferrari and Porsche real quick. Ferrari wants you to speculate their cars. Oh, they want absolutely. their cars to hang on to value and go up. And here's this rare one that only seventy five are made. There's that um, Aperta. 599 Aperta uh, yeah, yeah. here in Utah that we've both been in that is now mm -hmm. available for sale at the dealer here in Salt Lake for like a million and a half. And there's like less than 80 of those cars in the world. And that car was it's, – it's probably for sale for at least double, double what it was paid for. Unbelievable. Okay? But Porsche even – and I forget who at Porsche. Somebody out there is going to know the name. But somebody at Porsche – I even read an interview with them in the past week where they made the comment where they said they're actually keeping track. This is – part. Porsche versus Ferrari. Ferrari is keeping track of who buys their special cars because those are the people that can buy their special cars next time. Porsche is keeping track of who's buying their cars to not drive them but speculate them because they can't buy a special Porsche next time. Hmm. Isn't what, that interesting? I'm glad that's happened, but mm -hmm. they've got a course correct because this whole 911R was only for special buyers of the 980s. Yes. They kind yes. of did that. They, they created it themselves. They absolutely stop did. it. Yep. The 911R should have been available to everybody, not just these special rich people over here. Well, but here's the thing. When you have 20 plus variations of the 911, why isn't the R a checkbox? Right. If you're going to make a GTS right. and a GT2 and a GT3 and a GT3 RS, just make the R a checkbox. You Agreed. want the GT3 Agreed. feel, but you want a little more streetable. I mean, I almost feel like the G, the uh, the R is the halfway point between the the GTS and the GT3. I feel like the R is like the blending of those worlds in 911, and it should be just you just check a box and you get one. You, well, you yeah. can pay, pay to get one. But I actually, I, I like, I agree with you. They created their own problem, but I love your assessment that that, uh, that the new GT3 with the manual is simultaneously business case and getting themselves out of the speculative problem. They, I mean, they're going to have to do stuff here because, yeah, absolutely. you know, and, and limiting particular cars to a number, a build run. I can see the 918 being limited to. Absolutely, absolutely. A specific number of cars. But they made 918 of them versus Ferrari right. making, what, 300, 400? Right. But even the 911R 
just open the order books because yeah. you know you'll sell and the and parts and the parts the are there down. the parts are there well, yeah. we can make this car it'll bring the cost down because everybody can now order it instead mm-hmm. of ooh you know what there's only going to be a certain number of these 911 Rs yeah that's here come the speculators that, that's that's what the, that. that's the call for just them for sure stop limiting your production runs on the not necessarily non-exclusive cars mm-hmm. the halo cars are probably the only exception but i yeah. agree with you totally shane on facebook writes about Spirited nighttime driving, he said he had the occasion to drive a backcountry road that he knows really well, Mm -hmm. and he drove it at night and realized, because he knows the road so well, he was able to take the blind curves faster than normal, Mm -hmm. which made me cringe a bit, Shane. (laughs) I will be honest. There's two sides of this conversation, for sure. Yeah, I, I love that you're knowing your road, and that's excellent. I mean, just like any track, I mean, we talk about the Nürburgring you know, there's really no other way to drive that track other than start to know it. Mm-hmm. Many tracks, many race courses. Drivers drive these yeah, race yeah. courses. Yeah, yeah. Some take longer than others, but they drive them to get to know the track. And yeah, then it, yeah. You know, it's muscle memory. But if you're driving at night, I will just say things come out at night. True. Animals Fair come point. out at night. Yeah. I mean, even around here, I mean, the deer, it's, we've seen some pretty ugly stuff because nighttime driving, you can't see far enough ahead. And I realize you're talking about blind corners anyway here, but you can't look through a corner in track driving and high speed driving. Your eyes are up the track. We're constantly reminding ourselves, eyes up the track. Where are you looking? Where's your head? You're looking through your next corner. Mm -hmm. You can't see that well at night. And if it's back country roads, that means they don't have street lights and they're pretty dark out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Anything could be in that road and the faster you increase your speed. And I say this having done some dumb stuff myself <laughs> and done this very well, thing, Shane. Yeah, so I'm I mean, not coming down on you in any way. Yeah, I mean, I, I've done the hammer through <laughs> roads at night. I mean, we, we started with I drive after frustrating uh, frustrating moments. I've done the midnight drive because I'm just angry. I've done that. Which? And uh, I, I think I told you this before. I actually was, was driving along in the 92X, driving down a road we really know well. Yeah. Drove yeah. it right about midnight. Yeesh. And when I got, I, I didn't see any animals on the road. But when I got to, I really ought to turn around. I was like, oh, I, I know this road really well. There's there's a turnout coming up in a few hundred yards. Sure. And as I turned into the turnout, heard of elk in the turnout. Oh, my gosh. Like big, like 12 elk. And, of course, they all now scrambling out because I, I know what, you know, because you always have the lead elk, right? Oh I know what he's thinking. He's thinking like, hey, I was out of the road. I'm way over here. and I've got everybody. We had a deal. We're not. I'm not in I'm the road. I'm respecting the deal. So now I'm, <laughs> I'm thundering into the turnout. But luckily, you know, no elk were harmed or 92Xs were harmed in the yeah, making no of this kidding. film. But then on the way down, at the apex of a corner, walking along the white line on the edge was a basketball-sized porcupine, spines headed toward me. <laughs> and as I came around the corner, I mean, he was like right at the apex, came around the corner, he's suddenly in my lights, and I had this massive correction, and it was literally one of those things where it was a subconscious correction away from him. And as my brain processed, what the heck was that? And then it was like in replay in my head, I was noticing the big amble and the gray spines. I was like, that was a porcupine bigger Holy than a basketball. Moly. It's huge, and he's just ambling along the white line. So this is it's it's the surprise <laughs> animal shame that I'm going to agree with Paul. That's the problem. What's your area? The other thing I will say is, if you drive in Utah or California on these mountain roads in the U.S., there's no guardrails. True. So if you're driving that's in true. now, you're driving through a nice windy forest. That's different. Granted, trees, but uh, you have to know this road. The only good thing about this, I will say, Shane, is you have to know the road pretty much perfect. And the only other good thing is you can see lights coming. 
You're not going to have random True. cyclists, which True. you do a lot of these roads during a nice day. You have random cyclists. You, you can. It, you're, generally, you're not going to have Except cyclists the riding in the middle of the night. Cyclist. Well, that's a whole separate problem. <laughs> and, and anyway, but uh, so there's that. But then also, you can see lights of other cars coming long before you could see a car in the daylight. True. I have benefited from that on true. these roads. Very but true. A, a very brief YouTube search. Will, I can, I'm thinking actually of one specific Evo versus GTR video, but there are many where people go on, I'm an awesome driver, drives on canyon roads, and they don't know the road, and the turn surprises them, and they have no more car. Yeah. Yeah. So plenty. that's the real problem. I think you know how we feel, but if – you know, we're to ask the question, who here has done stupid stuff? Todd and I are the first to raise oh, our yeah. hands. And, and so we're, we're not we're not stopping. We're not pointing fingers. We're just. We will continue to do things where we get done and we go, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. But you asked, you know, you said, what are our thoughts? Thusly, you have them. I, I'm going to touch on this real quick. Uh, Mike Baker wrote in. He wrote in a couple places. And his question, I don't want to start a whole car debate, but his question was, what do you do after a Porsche? Mm. He's owned a, a couple of 911s. He's had a 964 and a 997 C2S. I don't understand the question. I know. Could you please you, sudden, repeat the Suddenly, question? Suddenly, it's, it's as if my microphone is turned off and Paul's just listening to a hiss over there. Yeah. Sorry? But, but his question is, look, he's, he's loved these cars. He's had two 911s. He feels very blessed to have had two 911s. He's thoroughly enjoyed them. He doesn't have any problems with them, but he really wants to have other life experience. So what do you do after a Porsche and specifically after a 911? I am going to say, Mike, I'm going to break your question for one thing. At some point, you need to own a Cayman. I don't think Agreed. that's next, but you should own a Agreed. Cayman because dynamically they are very different, and I personally yes. prefer it. Yes. The 911s are awesome, but I prefer the Cayman. So I do want to bring that up. But to get you out of Porsches for around fifty grand, i am going to say Lotus or Aston Martin. I was going to say Lotus or McLaren. Fifty grand? Oh, no, no, not not fifty grand, but you know. Oh yeah, oh to I agree. Aspire to no, 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 no. If you're buying new Porsches over the hundred grand range, yes, that, that's McLaren's. where my brain went. But, but yes, fifty but grand. But if he's at you fifty grand, Aston's for um, you could get an Aston Martin 50. Vantage, yeah, which is yeah. going to be more grand tour than your nine elevens, but a very fun, very different driving experience. You could do a Lotus Evora used, or even an Elise. I don't think you're going to like the Elise. I think it's probably a little too hardcore coming out of a nine eleven. But the Lotus mm -hmm. driving experience, it's a very different thing. Uh, oh, we've yeah. talked about yeah. it, but it, but we talked about it because it's true. I mean, my, my dear friend Paul here, Porsche freak that he is, every time he gets in a Lotus, he gets out and looks at me and goes, okay, I get it. <laughs> he, he, just, he, he doesn't agree with me, but he sees my disease <laughs> when he gets out of a Lotus. So oh, yes. I do want to say Lotus. Yes. I do want to say Aston Martin Vantage. I think those are the top two. And then I will also throw you a curveball. Okay. You need to drive a Corvette C7. Ooh, nice curve. Those are though. my three. Those are my three to drive. Dig that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And um, Lotus is just such a different mindset too. It's just the whole ad lightness and you know the different thinking behind it. And I'm I'm all about it. I and I hate to say it, Corvette guys are not typically going to be 911 guys and vice versa. But that's why you have to go drive that car. Yeah. Right. Right. No. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So. Uh, Brett, Brett's 1975, is in Australia, and he's asking if we'll ever see a manual AMG again, because this related to, you heard our debate about Porsche doing it for their customers, mm -hmm, partly. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think that, that, that ship has sailed. I mean, the, the Porsche thing is, is unique because Porsche, their whole approach is driving enthusiasts first. I mean, this is the, the, these are the cars that say in the manual, you know, please go drive your car. You know, these cars are better when they're driven all the time. 
so Porsche is is an oddball in this world. So I don't think Mercedes is ever going to go back. And I will use Ferrari as the example. Why does Ferrari not make manuals anymore? Not because they can't make manuals, not because people don't like their manuals, but because people don't actually buy their manuals. Right. I right. don't think there's any point for Mercedes to go back. The ship has sailed. It's done. I'm sorry. I agree. I mean, AMG models we'd like most to see available with a manual, it wouldn't be their high-end, the big E-class and S-class. It'd be the, the GLA, the you know the small ones. Well, the imagine the, the the GTS. How awesome would the GTS be with a man? Oh, but it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Yeah, and that's such that's such a cool car. Actually, actually, I wish we could get that on camera in the near future because that is a very fun car to drive. Yeah, we need to drive that a lot more. You've driven it just for I did a lap and drove a half, it, uh, three, laps uh, three laps on a track. I was okay. on Big Big Willow and Hoon the yellow one, and that was before it was it was when mm -hmm. it was a GT before it was the GTS. Mm. And wow, still Beautiful. awesome. Still really, really cool. Gorgeous car. Uh, Yoan wrote in on Twitter and asked me a question that I don't know that I can answer, but I'm going to try. He's asking, how do you tell if a car scene is sped up in a movie? Oh. This is obviously my big thing I preach it about. It is. It is. And you always point it out to me. The the biggest way to tell, and, and you have to, look, first off, you have to be me and you have to be a little weird. So I admit that, that, that you don't know that you really want to be inside my head for this experience. But... Uh, but it has to do with knowing what cars really look like at speed and having that kind of locked in your brain and then watching them move in a movie. And the biggest thing okay. you can tell is it's, it's actually kind of hard in a straight line, but it's the way the weight shifts in a corner. When you see cars that are sped up go through corners, the weight shift is wrong. It happens too abruptly. It doesn't happen in a real, real-time reality. There is a way that cars shift their weight. I wouldn't have thought that of that. The minute right. you speed it up, you can tell. And you know what it relates to? This is the other thing you can tell. You can always tell when water and fire are sped up on film because they have a certain way that they roll and manipulate. And if you speed them up or slow them down, you can always tell. Hmm. Water is the best example because water, because it has a weight because it actually rolls when you apply like weight to it. ripples on a pond yes. or something if like that. If you put water on a table or, or a tray and you move the tray around, the water has a certain speed and weight at which it shifts. Sure. Cars are the same. Cars do that on their suspension. So as a car goes around a corner, I'm getting super geeky. As a car goes around a corner, quick and then... the, way that, the way that it moves, it looks odd. It doesn't look right. And the reason it doesn't look right is because it's been sped up. I'm Look, I'm off massively in the it's weeds here. It's a fantastic explanation, though. I really like that. All right, there's a couple of questions here on Facebook that are very similar. Greg and Sean are writing about the new Tesla Model 3. Greg is asking about the options because Tesla has announced there's only colors and tires available for this as options. Colors and wheels, yeah. Colors and wheels, yes. So he's saying, you know, do we think the aftermarket community is really raring to go to support this Model 3? Mm -hmm. And then Sean asks something similar. He's, he's saying in a bit of a different vein do we think Tesla will run into the quality control with the Model 3 because mm, they are mm. limiting it to just wheels and colors at this point? Yeah. We're back to Henry Ford. Welcome to the Model T. If you like black, you can have it in black. Yeah. That's all yeah. it is. It comes in any color you want as long as it's black. Yep, you're right. I'm, I'm really intrigued by both these questions. As far as the aftermarket, though, is concerned, imagine how people are ordering these. The kind of people who are ordering... I don't think so, to be honest. Not at first, at least. I don't think the aftermarket is going to be interested at all because the people ordering it are, are family guys and, and family people. And I just mm -hmm. want, you know, I, yeah. I, I do uh, ride sharing or you know, I drive for Uber or Lyft or whatever. I just, I don't care 
it is what it is. I just want to enjoy it as a new car. And sure, sure. I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of modding going on quite yet. But here's, here's the thing about the mod world, too, that we don't often think about, but it's very true. The aftermarket world is driven by volume. That's why you see 8 yes. million aftermarket options for Miatas and Subarus and far less options for Ferraris and Porsches. Why? It's a volume thing. If I make an exhaust that fits on a WRX, my, my market segment for that is massive. 10% of WRX buyers buy my exhaust or 10% of Ferrari buyers buy my exhaust. I realize I charge more of the Ferrari one, but with the WRX exhaust, I made a career. So the, the, the Tesla <laughs> sure. problem on the aftermarket, yes, there will be some people that will do it, but that is so hyper niche at this point because there's so few of the cars and then a sl tiny percentage of those wanting aftermarket, that's a tough business proposition there. Well, think about the aftermarket community. What do they provide? You said exhaust, brakes, <laughs> New and exhaust power. for your Tesla model. Wait, no. Wait, no. not. Think about these categories. From a power standpoint, people are not going to want to void their warranties by chipping this, you know, or digging to the electronics. I, I chipped my Tesla. Whatever you're going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to do this. They're just going to be happy the range and the acceleration is going to be great. Can the aftermarket guy push his update to your Tesla while it says to your I'm very confused Ooh. now. It's a whole hacking world. What about brakes? If you upgrade your brakes to performance... Well, the car is not really sold and described as a driver's car. Well, and you've got regenerative braking. It's a, it's yes. a, it's an aftermarket quagmire. That's why so far all you've really seen are body kits. Right. Yeah. It's going to be styling only. So to differentiate yourself from the other mass owners of these cars, which is fine, what are you going to do? You're going to paint your wheels. You're going to get a windows. snarky Tesla license plate. Is what you're going to do. That's right. Doesn't use oil. We're you know no off gas. the grid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. There, there is a shocking. You can tell how we feel about there this. There is a shock. Well, we just don't like personalized license plates like that anyway. But I think percentage-wise versus car ownership, I think the Tesla owners might have cornered the market on the number of personalized plates per car. But back to the other question, though, which is about: um, Are they going to are they going to have problems with um, quality control issues? Yes. Here? Thank you. The the thing is, the Model X has been a quagmire of quality control, and a lot of it has related directly back to those Falcon doors. Yes, yes. But these are going to be simpler cars to build. They're, They're going, going to have to be. Modular, They're going to have to be. And they've been in business for a while now. They're mm -hmm. sorting out their issues. They might have a few you know, early production run cars, but yeah. those are going to the bosses and the people high up that, you know, they can drive them back to the factory and get them fixed. But, but we've talked about before, though, that Tesla, and a lot of, and look, it's not, Tesla is the example, but they're not the, the exception. They're not the only one doing this. The thing about these electric car startups is you wind up driving a car that is in long, ongoing beta testing. So that yeah. will exist. Yeah. There will be shakeout problems in the first probably – let's say everybody that has put a reservation gets one. That's like 400,000 cars, which is about the number of total Teslas they've sold so far and more. <laughs> So that's Since so they've that's been the, in business. Exactly. So that's the big thing. They're going to have to make a huge number of cars compared to what they've, they've done. I think quality issues are one thing. Uh, they're, they're clearly trying to hone this car so that there can be a chance for fewer. But the secondary problem is this. So far, Tesla has done a very, very good job with their owners of you have a problem we're going to, to get your car personally fixed. They had the, mm -hmm. like, the mm -hmm. Tesla SWAT team for a while that would come and The uh, Tesla what, Rangers, baby. Thank you. That's, oh, my gosh, the <laughs> Tesla Rangers. That's a thing. That actually it's exists. A, it's a thing. Unbelievable. Anyway, did, did they come in an electric helicopter? 
Do they slide Ooh. down? Do they slide down? Uh, yeah, <laughs> special cables. I'm horrified. Anyway, we could take that pretty far. Yeah. Okay. It's Yikes. horrifying. Um, but that's the kind of stuff you can't do once you get to the volume of four hundred thousand cars. You have to a true produce them in such a way that <laughs> Make they them have better. Fewer, yeah, you have to produce them so they have fewer right. problems, and then you have to go to a far less kind of private glove-handed fix for your car. It has to be much more of an assembly line of, yeah, you take it here and they fix it. And it has to be far less personal. Tesla's done a great job so far of trying to make it personal. You can still find horror stories of just stuff taking time because there's not a lot of extra parts and they're trying to be so personal about it. Once you get into volume, those things by their nature have to be scaled back. I think that's going to be the harder problem here. Sure, sure. So you're saying the only customization you can do is a body kit, wrap or dip your car, Write a Dear John breakup letter to Big Oil. You have to do and that. And come up with a snarky, I left the grid behind sort of electric only license plate. Well, and you get the license plate that has the number of your cars that roll off the assembly. We've oh, seen so oh, many. We've oh, seen so many. Stop. Anyway. <laughs> Anything else? Any other questions before we wrap up here? I think that pretty much covered the ones that were on my uh, my top list. Excellent, excellent. All right. Well, guys, be sure to catch Velocity Channel for the brand new world premiere, as Todd said. DVR that, depending on where you are, East Coast, 7.30, and then uh, probably you'll still be sleeping, so DVR for that. Yep. And uh, the pilgrimage trip is coming. You are cordially invited. Please go to the everydaydriver.com adventures tab. It's a little more than half full already. Yeah, yeah. Please sign up because we're actually, what we're doing already is talking about who's in what cars. We've got upgrades available this year. So, uh, and it's not like we have an unlimited of all cars. So if there's certain cars you want to upgrade to, the earlier you get in, I hate to say it this way, but the earlier you get in, the better chance you have of getting in a specific car on the ring and spa. Full track days, both places. That's where you go. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you guys for listening, watching. Enjoy your weekend. Cheers.